that is feeling more distant, God is closer than you think. Journey, I've got a question. Are you as close to God as you want to be? When you look at your spiritual life, do you feel like I am hitting on all cylinders? Are you a little bit like me right now? where there's a hunger in your heart where you want more of him. You want to experience more of him. You want to be closer. That's what this series is all about. And you heard it in the bumper. In this world that is feeling more and more distant in so many ways, God is closer than we think. We've got a theme verse that we're gonna use to jump off every week, James 4, 8. And this is what James tells us. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. I want you to hear two things in that verse. There's a command. James says, come near to God. But then there's a promise that immediately follows. It says, and God will come near to you. Friends, this shows us the heart of God. He wants to be closer. He wants to be more intimate with you. But he asks us to come close to him. So the question that we're gonna be asking throughout this series is how? How do I move closer to God? I wanna promise you right now that we're not gonna give you any quick fixes. This is not gonna be like some kind of a fad diet or shortcut or some simple app that you can just download and that's gonna make you close to God for the rest of your life. Here's what I'm gonna promise you. The things that we're gonna talk about over this series are gonna take training. It's going to take training on your part. It's going to take time and it's going to take intentionality. And here's one principle that I want you to understand throughout this whole series as well. There is a big difference between trying to do something and training to do something. Imagine this. Imagine that I had this audacious goal that I want to run a marathon and I want to run it in under three hours. What if I showed up at the starting line and I really wanted to do that. I was gonna try my hardest. I was super motivated, but I had never trained. I'd never even jogged or ran before that. You'd just be thinking, that would be crazy. That is not going to go well for you. To accomplish the things that we want to do in life, take training. And spiritual transformation in our life, real change in our life, takes training. We've got to learn to build patterns. We've got to learn to build habits. We've got to learn to build rhythms that'll actually create the opportunity for us to move closer to God. It takes more than just motivation, willpower, and effort. That's why Paul, when he was discipling young Timothy, 
In 1 Timothy 4, he said this, train yourself, Timothy, train yourself for godliness. If you wanna get to godliness, it's gonna take training. And when Paul talked to the church in Corinth, he said this, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. He's saying, if you're gonna be an Olympian, you've got to go in to training. He says, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul's saying it takes training. And this is for all the marbles. A crown for this life and a crown forever. Everything that matters in all of life. If we're gonna get closer to God, it's going to take training. And I don't think there's ever been a better time for us to begin to talk about moving closer to God. Like we said earlier, everything feels more distant right now. And as I've had lots of conversations with people, people are actually starting to feel like it even feels like God is more distant. So if we want to invite God closer, we've got to ask ourselves the things. What are the things that create distance with God? And here's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about sin. We're going to be talking about confession of sin. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh man, here we go. Another preacher standing up on a stage, he's probably gonna be shaking his head, shaking his finger at me, trying to make me feel condemned, trying to make me feel bad about myself. I wanna promise you, I do not want to make you feel bad about yourself. If, I, if that was my goal, I would just tell you to play golf. That is the biggest self-esteem self-esteem killer out there. Not my goal. My goal is to bring real change to your life. And this is what we're gonna see in the scriptures is that real confession, the way the Bible talks about confession of our sin brings about real change to our life. And it brings about freedom, it brings about joy, and it brings about the life that we've always wanted. First, we're gonna talk about the problem of sin. Sin, friends, from the very beginning was what created distance with God. When we go back to the very, very beginning of the Bible, we go back to almost page one of the Bible, you see that there was disobedience. Adam and Eve decided, I want to do it my way, which is just a simple definition of sin. I wanna do what I wanna do rather than what God wants me to do. And I wanna take a path that I want versus a path that God would want for me. And when sin entered the world, relationships were broken. Relationship with God was broken. You immediately saw Adam and Eve and what they were trying to do, they were trying to hide from God in the garden. Relationship with God was separated. But it also separated relationship with each other. They weren't only hiding from God, they were trying to hide from each other. They covered themselves up with fig leaves because they knew suddenly something inside of me is wrong and I don't want anyone, including God, to see it. But it also created distance even in themselves because suddenly they realized, I am not who God created me to be. I've taken another path. I've gone in another direction. This is why we need to think about how is it that we deal with sin because sin creates separation in relationships. Now, I hope some of you, maybe there's a question that's forming in the back of your mind and you're thinking this, 
Bob, I've been tuning in for a while around Journey Church and I've been listening to you and Brian and it seems like you have this message of the gospel that talks about this reality that when we put our faith in Christ and his death in our place to pay the penalty for our sin, that all of our sin has been forgiven. All of our sin past, all of our sin present, and all of our sin future has been taken care of by Christ. Absolutely, that is true. But I wanna explain kind of a, a metaphor or a picture to understand how sin continues to affect us in our ability to be close with God. Imagine this, think about me and my relationship with my son. He is my son because he was born into my family. There is a relational tie there that can't be changed. If he and I are close in relationship or he decides to disobey, he decides to leave, he decides to go his own independent way from me, our closeness is separate, but he is still my son. Take that same picture and let's apply it into our relationship with God. When you place your faith in Christ, when you bow your knee to him, you surrender your life to him, you make him the king of your life, you become his child. Nothing in all of creation can change that. You are his son. You are his daughter. But in the midst of that, you can choose to disobey. You can choose to go your own independent way from God and the things that you know that he wants you to be and that he's asking you to move toward. And when we do that, what happens is our intimacy with God is broken. Our connection to him is broken. Our experience of closeness with him is broken. I don't think what most people struggle with is this idea that God forgives us freely. I think people can intellectually understand that. But here's where I see people getting stuck and having trouble over and over again. It's not understanding that reality, as amazing that it is, that God has forgiven all of our sin, but it is experiencing that reality. That moment by moment, day by day, we're living in the reality and the beauty of God's forgiveness for us. Here's how John Ortberg said it, and I wanted to read this quote. It says, this inability to accept the reality of forgiveness is the reason that God has given us the practice of confession. God wants us to experience closeness with him, and that's why he's given us the practice of confession. If sin is the problem, that the treatment of sin is confession. And here's how James talks with us a little bit about what confession is, the treatment of sin, in the second half of verse eight. Verse eight, you remember, is our theme verse. Starts out like this. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. So then James says, and this is how you do that. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I hope that in some way, a little smile came across your face when you heard James's solution, wash your hands. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've thought more about washing your hands than now? Are you doing a good job at washing your hands? And how do you know? Let's watch this little video together. Thank you. 
I love that. Wash your hands. That's what James is talking about when he says, confess your sins. And you might be also asking the question, if God has forgiven all of my sins, why is it that I need to confess my sins? Here's what you need to understand. God is not standing there with a death grip on his mercy, forcing you to try to pry it out of his hands. God wants to. He desires to give you his mercy. That is what the cross was all about. We don't have to try to pry that away from his fingers. Confession, friends, it's for us. God doesn't need our confession. Confession is for us. And it's what God wants to use to help bring healing and change to our life. There's a couple things that I think you need to understand about confession. One is that confession, it is not mechanical, it's relational. There are many times that I hear people talking about confession. It's kind of like, I just kind of say some certain words kind of generally over my whole life, hoping that somehow God will just take out his big eraser and erase all those sins from my life. That misses the point of confession. And James is gonna try to help us understand that. We need to understand that confession isn't mechanical, it's relational. Because sin causes brokenness in relationships. Sin causes separation in relationships. And that should bring sorrow to our heart that things that we would do would separate us. That's why James, when he continues in verse nine, he says this. He says, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. What James wants us to understand is that there is a cost to our sin. It is costing us, whether we're realizing it or not, it costs us. And part of confession is a recognition and a realization of the relational brokenness of our sin. It costs us. It costs us closeness with God. It costs us that sense of peace that we have from experiencing God's presence. It can lead to anxiety and depression. It costs people in our life that we have sinned against. Our sin has ripple effects into the lives of people that we love. It's costly, friends, and it's costly to you. As we choose to go our own way, do what we wanna do instead of what God wants us to do, we miss out. It costs us on becoming the person that God wants us to be. And then if we just step back, we always have to remember that our sin cost Jesus his life. When he hung on the cross and was exposed for us, he took a penalty that he didn't deserve. The sin that he was paying for there was my sin and your sin. Every one of us that would choose to follow him one day, Jesus paid for our sin. Sin is costly. It's not just a mechanical little thing that we do. It is relation, it's relational and it costs. But you also need to know this about confession. Confession is not self-condemnation and it's not self-pity. It's not an opportunity for us to try to beat ourselves up. God doesn't want us to hate ourselves in the context of confession. God wants us to hate sin and hate the ripple effects of sin in the world around us, even sin that we are causing. 
Romans 8.1 makes it really, really clear, God's heart. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Friends, did you hear No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's the outcome that God wants. Not condemnation. He wants you to experience life. He wants you to experience freedom. So here's the question. If that's our desire, if we want to move closer to God in this moment, in this day, how do we do that? What does the Bible teach us about how to confess? Forrest Gump said that life is like a box of chocolates. Uh, But for the sake of illustration, what I'm going to share with you is that life is like a box of Kleenex. And this is going to teach us some things that we need to understand about confession. And the first thing that we need to know, know to do is to take time to examine your own heart. You've got to slow down your life. You've got to open up your life to God, open up your life to the power of his spirit and just say, God, what is it that you want to say to me about sin? Here's how David said this in Psalm 139. And David, with all of his failures and faults, was considered a man after God's own heart. And I believe it's because he prayed things like this, because he didn't want to have anything that separated him in any way from God. Here's how David says it in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any, any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David wanted in the worst way to do whatever he could to clear the air between him and God. He wanted to be close. Here's how this works in my life, primarily. How is it that God brings that to me and shows me my heart? Primarily, it's as I spend time in his word or hearing his word taught. As I spend time in his word and I see the values of his his kingdom and I look at my life, Sometimes I see there's major disparity there. There's things that he wants me to do that I'm not doing. There's things that he doesn't want me to do that I am doing. And it's not just behaviors. It's issues of the heart. I see things in my heart like jealousy and lust and anger and judgment, greed and selfishness. And God just says, I want you to know those things and bring those to me. The word shows us where we've gone off the path with him. But when we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up resident in our life. It indwells you. He indwells you. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And the Holy Spirit's job is that he nudges. He prompts. He tells you when you've stepped off. We need to learn to quiet our life and listen to him. The Holy Spirit nudges me, nudges you. A third thing that God uses over and over in my life is people that are close to me. People that I trust, people that are close to me that are willing to speak into my life and show me those things. Hold up the mirror to my life and help me see those things that that aren't living up to the will and to the word of God. I've got people around me. 
And here's what happens. As we engage in the word, as we listen to those nudges of the Holy Spirit, what God will start to do is he will start to surface things in our life that we need to deal with. Now, here's what we need to do when God begins to surface things in our life. We need to acknowledge and accept responsibility for our sin. We need to move toward God and show him what it is that we've done, even though he already knows. But here's what I wanna do. This is what happens when things start to surface in my life. This is what I wanna do. That's exactly what I wanna do. I don't want to see the brokenness in me. I don't want to see the junk in me. I wanna deny that it exists. I wanna blame it on somebody else. If they hadn't have done this, then I wouldn't do this. I want to hide. I wanna keep things deceptive. I want to blame others. I want to make excuses. But here's what God says. Don't push it back in. What I need you to do is acknowledge it. Pull it out and show it to me. This is what confession is. It's just agreeing with God about what he has revealed in our heart and revealed in our life, and we bring it to him. And here's how it's most helpful for me. When God reveals things like that, I want to say it out loud. God, I acknowledge this in my life. I agree with you. This is wrong. And what is most helpful for me is I'm a journaler, and if you're a journaler, I write those things down. It becomes so much more concrete to me what I've done and the cost of that when I actually write it down in my journal. That's what confession is, just agreeing with God, acknowledging and accepting full responsibility for our sin. But there's a third thing that God wants us to do when we confess, and it's accept God's forgiveness. When we hold up our sin to God, this is what God does with it. One of the classic texts on confession is 1 John 1, 9. It says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's a word that I hope kind of jumps out at you, but sometimes I think we can just move by it a little bit too quickly. It's that word just. It says that God is faithful and just. It seems like when I bring my confession to God and God forgives me, that's not his justice that comes to me. It seems like it's his mercy. Why is it so important for us to understand that it's God's justice that we find in confession? Because what happened with your sin, that sin that you held up to God, that sin was already paid for. God's justice has already been met. If God were to hold that against you, he would be unjust. And that's why John wants us to know if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins because of God's love and his justice. And because of that, we don't have to try to beg God for forgiveness. We don't have to try to bribe him in some way. We don't need to try to make bargains with him. Like, God, if I'll never do this again if you just forgive me for this. All John's saying that we need to do is that we need to believe. We need to believe and we need to remember Christ's death paid for it. 
when the reality of that, friends, goes to the deepest places of who we are, that's got to move our heart. It's got to move the needle on our heart to think of the magnitude of what God did for us. Now, the last thing that we're gonna talk about in terms of what it means to confess, I think is probably the place where people tend to wanna push back the most. But I am absolutely convinced based on the testimony of the scriptures and even more so my personal experience is this, that this next thing that I'm gonna talk about is what has the power to bring genuine and lasting change in your life and to bring us closer to God. And the fourth one is this. It says, admit your sins to another person. Admit your sins to another person. Confession is not just acknowledging your sins to God. God already knows all of your sin, all of your brokenness. But he tells us, share your sin with other people, other flesh and blood, and then to make it right with those people that we've wronged. This is how James, we're gonna go back to James. This is how he admonishes us. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What James wants us to understand is that real confession is gonna bring real change in our life that is gonna take us to real closeness with God. It's confessing our sins to each other and praying for each other. Maybe you're asking yourself, why can't I just confess my sins to God? I don't want to talk about my dirty laundry to other people. The healing that God wants to bring in your life will come. The breakthrough will come. The chains can be broken when we bring our guilt and our shame into relationship with other people. This is a big part of confession. It's not just us taking the roof off in our relationship with God and agreeing with him about sin. It's us also taking the walls down in our relationships with people and allowing the light of God to shine into our life from all angles. Here's what I've learned over time about this. Sins that I only confess to God, I tend to repeat. I can find myself in these cycles, confess, Sin, confess, sin, confess, sin. But breakthrough has come when I've opened up those areas of my life. The old King James called these things besetting sins, these sins with deep roots in our life. The breakthrough comes. The roots are pulled up when we bring that into the relationship with other people. Here's what I've also learned, is that those secret sins, those things that we keep hidden from people, are like splinters. If we don't address them, they get worse over time. They start to fester. They start to linger. The best thing that we can do with the splinter is to get it out. Get it out into the open. And that's what James would be telling us. The best thing that we can do with our sin and brokenness is get it out into the open, into the light of day with other people.
I'm imagining that there is a group of people out there right now that are watching this, that are nodding their head, and they're saying, amen, I have lived that, I have experienced that. And you know who those people are? Those are people that have been involved with AA or any other 12-step program. If you look at the very core of what they do, it's this, these principles of God's word applied. A dependence upon God, a need for him, a need to bring other people into our life, to take a ruthless moral inventory of the things that are going on underneath the surface in our life. And you know why AA and other 12-step programs and other programs just like them are so powerful? Because they bring change. Bringing things into the open brings change. Real confession brings real change that brings real intimacy, real closeness with God. There's a sculpture that is a masterpiece of Michelangelo's. It's the sculpture, his rendering of David. We've got a picture of it there for you. That is the PG version, base camp approved picture of David. Michelangelo was reported one time to have been asked, how in the world did you do it? How did you pull off this incredible masterpiece? This was his response. He said, I just simply took a stone and I cut away everything that wasn't David. He saw a stone where we might have only seen a stone. He saw David in that stone in the hands of the masterpiece, as he began to cut away all those things that weren't David, he created a masterpiece. Friends, I wanna say, wherever you're listening to the sound of my voice, you need to hear this. You are a masterpiece. God has created you in his image. You are a masterpiece. And this whole idea of confession, what God wants to do is he wants to partner with you to begin to cut away all those things in your life that aren't who he created you to be. That's what confession is about, allowing God to build you in to the masterpiece that you are. Real confession brings about real change in your life. I wanna just ask a real honest question when was the last time you ever sat down and made an inventory of your life and confessed those sins to God? If you, haven't, if you can't remember when that is, I just want to say, it's time. And I want to ask you another question. When was the last time you ever brought those secret sins out into the open with another person? If you can't remember I just want to say to you, it's time. What do you need to tell? What's happening under the surface where you need to take the roof off and the walls down? What do you need to tell? And who do you need to tell? I've asked the band to come and play a song, As You Find Me. This is a beautiful song because the idea of this song is that God loves you as he finds you. But his love for you is so great that he is unwilling to leave you there. 
He wants to bring change into your life today. And it's real confession that is gonna bring about real change and real closeness with him. Let's worship together as our band continues to lead us. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.